Welcome to your favorite F word podcast, where we dive deep into conversations around food, fitness, feelings, with the occasional fuck thrown in. We're your hosts, Sarah and Nicola, owners of Paradigm Nutrition and Performance, nutrition coaches, besties, and most importantly, humans. This show is for coaches, self-growth-oriented folks, active humans, or anyone looking to deepen their understanding and relationship with food, movement, and themselves. Thanks for tuning in, and we cannot wait to share this space with you. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Your Favorite F Word. Hello. here. Hi, hi. And today we are doing a little bit of a fun episode. Um, we like to do these ones when we like don't really feel like going deep into things because we're like consumed with other shit or like tired. <laughs> uh, or just want to have fun. Girl. Or just want to have fun. Yeah. I'm I'm learning how to have fun. It's nice. The puppy <laughs> is doing doing wonders for that. Oh, is it? I mean, yes and no. <laughs> But like reminding me that like, okay, most things like aren't so serious, right? Yeah. 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 Anyways, so today we're going to talk about some shit that we've changed our minds on. um, When it comes to way back to like, not just like recently, but like over what the last like five to 10 years, a decade of changing our minds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're also going to touch on at the end, things that we're like still considering, like our minds aren't quite made up yet. Yeah. 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 Um, So yeah, we'll go through, we're just going to kind of like rapid fire through this list and talk about them um, in a little bit more detail. And hopefully you can relate or have some good mindset takeaways and it's going to be great. Or maybe you just disagree and that'd be Yeah. Yeah, if you disagree, let us know. Curious, curious, curious. Okay, well, let's just get into it. Get into it. Where do you want to start? Um, Okay, well, let's start at the beginning because I think the first one that we both had on our list was about the old macro tracking and the Mm -hmm. process there. Hello, Goose. Um, so when I think about like my first intro into macro tracking, it was like watching these girls I worked with who were like in bodybuilding competitions and it just like the way they talked about it, I was like, what the fuck is this? It sounds so crazy. It sounds so hard. And I will be honest, I was like, this is disordered. Like mm-hmm. this is weird. But I also think like a, my understanding of nutrition was nil at the time, like literally nothing. <laughs> I was like early into my CrossFit years. I was like listening to podcasts about like Rich Froning crushing two like pints of Ben and Jerry's on a Friday night. And I was like, oh, if we do CrossFit, we can just eat anything. So like people being that particular, but what they're eating, like that's fucking crazy. And I think just like the way these particular people were talking about it, just like clearly did not align with like what was going to make sense for me. And so I I kind of extrapolated that a little bit and made some Mm -hmm. serious and misguided assumptions about what it meant to track your food, what it meant to be conscious of nutrition at that kind of a level. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to say I kind of held that mentality for like two or three years, probably until I literally started working with a guy who was like, you're going to track your macros. And I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) 
Yeah, I think I had a similar experience too. And it's funny with the macro tracking, I think my like thoughts on it have like wavered back and forth a lot um, from thinking like, no, you know, it's, it's bad. It's disordered. It's like way too much to, it's the only way to make progress. And like, everyone needs to track macros to this now, like middle ground where like, you know, tracking macros is a great fucking way to learn about food. Mm-hmm. And there's no denying that there will be certain people where if they have histories of a disordered eating, um, or, you know, of the like, maybe it's not the most supportive strategy, but for a lot of people for a period of time, 100% think it is a great tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree. And even like, as I took my first steps into tracking it for myself, I was like, holy fuck, there's so much I actually don't know. And it was a great eye opener into like the things I thought with like no real evidence as to why those were correct assumptions but it really did break down a lot of like what I thought about food what I thought about my body how like food in my relationship could be um so it was like a very positive learning experience it's just interesting like the context in which we're introduced to something really does like impact how we view it for sure for sure for sure okay what's the next one um let's do this one first this idea of like I'm sure you've seen this all over Instagram coaches say it all the time we have said it for a long time but this idea of like meeting the client where they're at I maybe in the last like six months have kind of changed my mind on this in part because of like the way we talk about client relationships and building rapport and um holding like a client first approach to therapy so I don't know do you want to say like how you feel about it first um I mean I think it means different things I think that there's a again a middle ground where yes we need to understand you know the client's current situation obstacles their history and we need to take that into consideration but as coaches it's also our responsibility to help nurture and guide our clients to making decisions that are aligned with them. And so if we are, and maybe this isn't what you had in mind when you were talking about this, but um, if we are, you know, not having them challenge or get curious about where they are at, and instead we're just like continuing with unsupportive behaviors and stuff like that, like, is that really supportive for the client in the long run? Probably not. There's definitely a middle ground to be found between challenging them to make some real changes without having them feel like they have to like completely overhaul everything at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And I think like, that's really how we like thought about it for quite a while. I know I kept using it as like um, a way for me to like highlight the fact that like we put the client first. Um, but the reason I kind of like changed my mind on this was like a conversation we had with a guest speaker in our class who actually argued that this idea of like meeting the client where they're at automatically creates a hierarchy in which you are kind of like implicitly or covertly like lowering yourself to what you assume their level is. So this idea that like, you know, more you're the expert and you actually have to meet them where they're at, which is inherently at a lower level. Interesting. 
yeah and I mean like upon hearing that I was like well no wait like you know I had some instant like emotions um and feedback towards that but the way he like went on to describe it like really hit home for me um because it just like implies that that thing that we you and I have tried to break away from where it's like we are the experts in the relationship and it it does I think even though it's like semantics I think it does matter especially for me as the coach how I'm viewing it whether or not the client thinks that that kind of language is um, misguided the more I hear it now the more I'm like "Ooh, yeah that does inherently make me think I I have to adjust to their level and I'd be lying if I said like that didn't make me think okay they're at a a lower level for sure Um, and then you bring your own biases about like their abilities and stuff like that right yeah and just like you said then it's like are you really challenging them or pushing them or seeing their capacity when you're assuming that they are not going to be able to rise to the occasion right so kind of language that like um can replace that is this idea of like meeting the client where we're at in a collaborative relationship, which I think really like highlights one of our values, which is like the idea of collaboration, curiosity, and it opens a lot more doors, I think, for Mm -hmm. the client to rise to the occasion and to show up in the way that they truly can. And you're there with them. You're at the level you are at with the capacity you have as a coach, with the knowledge you have, and you're not dumbing anything down. You're not lowering yourself big air quotes around that Mm -hmm. um and I think it can be like a lot more empowering for the client to be like I'm showing up as an equal in this relationship right I love that I love that perspective that kind of goes into this next point that we had which was changing our minds on the idea of tough love yeah (laughs) and this one I feel like I'm almost like cringy about now Yeah. Like this has been a rocky journey for us. If you go through like our Instagrams over the past, like two years, you'll see so, so much fluctuation in language, Um, especially through the pandemic, I think. And I mean, we were working with a business coach at the time that definitely like influenced our perceptions of this a little bit, but (sighs) I don't even know how to say this. (laughs) Well, I think first and foremost, I think we had this idea that like when a client signs on to work with us, it's like this unspoken part of the contract that they're signing up to get support and to get tough love, AKA hard to swallow feedback, right. where we're going to be pointing out the things that maybe they don't see. But again, the coaching like industry has taken like feedback or providing like opportunities to challenge or empower the client and called it tough love. Because it's coming from a loving space, but it might be tough to hear. And I get that. And also it makes me really uncomfortable now when someone's like, I'm going to give you some tough love. Right. Like, "Mm, are you really? Because I don't know about you, um, but I can think of so many times where I've been told by a coach, by a friend, by someone else, like, I'm going to give you tough love. And what it really was, was them completely bypassing a real barrier and experience for me right because we could see beyond it but where I was at at the time I was like that is not a viable option for me right now and like thank you very much for your opinion yeah but it's not hitting for me right now but then when you don't accept that tough love you're seen as like being difficult or hard um, to work with 
fixed mindset, all of having excuses. Yeah. Yeah. So it really feels like by using this like term tough love, you're essentially like using it in a way as to like bypass a real excuse for a person. And I don't know for my clients, what is, what is like them making an excuse and what is a true barrier? That's not for me to decide. Right. And so instead of tough love being that tough love more looks like, you know, those curiosity prompts and those questions and like trying to understand the client's situation a little bit better and have them also get curious about the situation. And like, is that thing actually an obstacle or barrier for them? Or is it something that like is more related to, you know, a story they've told themselves or a misconception that they have around like the process or something like that? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like maybe this goes into our like things we're still considering because like I don't necessarily have a backup plan in place of tough love because I think when I got so like jaded with the idea of tough love that my coaching actually like softened a lot mm-hmm. and not necessarily as a positive. I think right. I like that. I don't love the word soft because I don't think there's anything bad with soft. Right. <laughs> I'm using it. I just mean like by steering away from giving tough love we I really would love to invent a new phrase for that yeah (laughs) but I feel like then I wasn't actually pushing my clients or giving them feedback I was like assuming that they didn't have the capacity to hear it or wouldn't take it well and that's like not fair either that's limiting in a very different way Mm -hmm. and so I think over the past little while I've really had to like recalibrate like where and how do I deliver feedback? And how am I making sure that I'm not almost like disenfranchising a client by right. not giving them tools or new perspectives, but also not bypassing like what's actually there. What's happening. Yeah. A middle ground. And it's, it's tricky. For sure. And every client is going to be different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that in, from a coach's perspective is also really difficult in figuring out how to learn your client and understand, you know, how do they receive feedback and how do they, um, ha- like what kinds of conversations and language allows them to be open to that feedback and really come into it from like, and again, I hate, well, I didn't say this yet, but the word empowered, I don't love, but like coming into that space of like, Hey, I'm here to like make some changes. And like, these are some real things coming up versus sometimes if we are, if we're presenting it in that tough love way, it automatically creates like a negative reaction in the person and they just like close down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Challenging. Like still finding my, my way with that. But I think like one of the things we've talked about um, together and started like putting into our coaching a lot more is like for the way we phrase things is like giving them the possibility that it's not true and being right. like this is what I'm seeing if this doesn't like fit for you at all by all means please correct me please yeah. tell me what's actually going on but this is like by the data or by what you're saying you're this saying. is the perspective this is what it. I'm hearing yeah yeah big um, time. So giving them the option that yeah. it's it's up to them if that's like true for them or not. So that has been really helpful. And I love, love, love when clients are like, no, that's not it. Like to me, that's a good indicator that you're doing a good job with your client when they feel like they can say no, or Mm -hmm. they they can disagree with you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, let's do a fun one. 
Okay, you go then because I don't okay. have anything fun to say today. You'll you'll think of one once I share. So when we made the, this list, I made my own list of like funny things. And then Nicola came with like an actual serious list, which is like the opposite of what normally happens. Um, <laughs> so one of my fun things that I've changed my mind on is olives. I okay. used to fucking hate olives. Like um, if they touched anything, I would be like, ew, this is disgusting. And then, hi, rooster. Hi, cutie. Oh, <laughs> Nicholas sure. dog is like climbing right on the chair. Yeah, she'll want to be up table. in here. Yeah. Hello. Um, and now I'm obsessed with olives. Like I crave them ever since oh. I lived abroad. Abroad. <laughs> and by that I mean ever since I went to Europe for three weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Um, so good. that's something I will. I don't think I'll ever change my mind on. I don't like them. Like the, I call them olives. Like, oh, I just can't. They're so strange. Although, fuck, I do like olive tapenade. Yeah, olive tapenade's good. That's like a good gateway. Yeah. Into but them. maybe it's like the wine thing. I used to be like, ugh, wine's disgusting. Right. What's one like food thing that you've changed your mind on? Uh, oh, that's a good question. A food thing. Shit circle back okay. there's gotta be something that there I has to yeah okay well I think that goes nicely into this next one which was something um this is maybe a little bit more recent but this idea that like you don't always have to enjoy your food mm. yeah and so a lot of times on social media and like even in the past in our messaging we've talked about um needing to like enjoy the foods that you're eating and like have fun with food and stuff like that. And yes, to a certain extent, um, but you don't always have to enjoy it. Yeah. And like, I think there's a big capital N nuance here because I think for some people and a lot of really the clients that we have worked with being able to enjoy our food and see it as something beyond uh, either fat gain or ways to lose fat it can be really powerful to learn to appreciate food for different reasons, like in for celebration, for cultural like contexts, for enjoyment. And so it often is a goal, but I think we kind of, or at least I did, went too far with this idea that like everybody should enjoy their food. Right. Um, and I really don't think that that always has to apply. Um, and I think especially like in a diet phase, sometimes enjoying your food isn't the goal and could also almost be like as a detriment to your goal if you're always trying to enjoy the shit out of your food and only eating things you like absolutely love right yeah it makes it harder sometimes to maintain a calorie deficit in that way and then also when we are you know focused on food and that enjoyment piece it um it becomes a little bit more emotional Mm -hmm. in a diet phase right versus like hey this is hitting my macros it's allowing me to reach my goals it's short term you know do I love eating like chicken breast rice and vegetables in a plain sense every single day no but I'm gonna do it for a couple months because it's gonna allow me to hit my goals a lot easier and also by eating foods like that I'm not constantly craving like those highly satiating foods for sure. And I think like the more palatable we make foods too, like the more like we are to be like, what's the word? I always mispronounce this, but be like really hedonic with it. Like right. that, that human like drive to just like eat. 
the right. more palatable our foods are, the more likely we're, we could overindulge. Mm-hmm. So like, you're not going to overindulge like apple and cucumber slices, right. but if you have fucking mini eggs or chips in front of you, fuck yeah, right. you are. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Um, let's go into this next piece then that kind of goes along with that. Um, especially as we're like referring to fat loss, but this idea that being strict or quote unquote restricted is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. That's definitely something that we've changed our minds on. Um, being strict or restricted for periods of time is definitely not a bad thing, especially if your goals are high performance based or body composition based. It's Mm -hmm. probably a requirement. Mm -hmm. But I think there's just such fear around that language. Like I'm looking at all these things we have on our list and a lot of it is just like how we talk about things. Yeah. It but is. yeah, it's definitely like how many intake forms or like applications have we read where we ask like people what's not working for you and they say like being strict or being restricted. Right. And I'm like, yes, I can understand that, especially when we're coming from a background of like always trying to be on a diet, always trying to cut things out. But I'm like, if we view thing, if we view like being strict or rigid or structured or like focused as always being a bad thing, then you fucking bet your ass. It's going to feel terrible when you're in it. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to maintain. Right. Oh, it's going to sure. be. Yeah. And that's it- another thing is like with fat loss diets, there's this idea that they need to be sustainable and a fat loss diet is not sustainable. That's the whole point, mm-hmm. right? Like we are not meant to be in a fat loss phase forever. And part of that reason is because it's not something that is sustainable for Mm -hmm. us. And I think that that's something, at least the language that we use around that has changed a lot too. Um, Because the way that we're approaching our nutrition as a whole should be sustainable. But if we are someone who has body composition goals, part of that sustainability understands that there's going to be periods of time where we are a little bit more rigid and structured. And then periods of time where we are a little bit more flexible, that ebb and flow is sustainable. Being when you're rigid, exactly moving through different phases. Yeah. Being rigid and structured 24, seven, 365 is not Mm -hmm. right. But, and I mean, like that brings up a good point. Cause when I'm like walking a client through a diet phase, I am definitely guilty of using the words. Like we want to keep this diet as sustainable as possible. And you're right that like inherently a diet is not sustainable. So what I should be saying is like maybe something to the effect of like, we want to ensure that you're able to follow through with this diet. Exactly. And we're not feeling overly, mm, see, and now I'm like wanting to say strict or restricted, but we're we're able to actually follow through with it. And that's what I mean by sustainability within a diet. Yeah. Yeah. I think like even changing the language around that could be important. Yeah. Big time. Cool. Um, okay. Let's talk about training a little bit. Ah, uh, training. We've, we've both gone through a lot of like, whoop, whoop, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had initially written down bodybuilding cause I used mm-hmm. to turn bodybuilding so hard. Yeah. Uh, and I'm fucking obsessed with it. But again, I think it was like all in the context that I was introduced to bodybuilding. I like, when I would think of bodybuilding, I would think of like, just people flexing in the mirror, like showing off their glamour muscles. I was like, they're not actually that strong. Like da, 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 da. Yeah. This idea that like, they're only training for aesthetics. Yes. yes. Right. I was like, I definitely look down upon that. Yeah. And now, well, 
now I'm like, yeah, I get it. I'm getting strong. I would say though, and this is my experience, not everybody else's, but I'm not the fittest I've ever been bodybuilding. Have I put on my own set of glamour muscles? For sure. Can I squat the same as I used to? No. Right. Just like shitty. I don't love it. And I don't love that. Like if I go to a CrossFit Metcon, I'm fucking gassed in the first two minutes. Right. But But I guess that means what does fitness mean to you? Right. Because I think it means different things to different people. So if you had never been more, more like consistent with CrossFit and had that like knowledge of like what you could squat or what a Metcon used to feel like, you wouldn't have those thoughts. Right. Mm -hmm. But it is that comparison of like, okay. And I mean, fitness has so many different pieces of it. Mm Mm-hmm. So like you probably have the most muscle mass you've ever had for sure. That's yeah. an important piece of fitness. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's like, again, ebbs and flows there. Yeah. And I think like, too, I got to learn the difference between like, what is training for strength? What is training for hypertrophy? What mm-hmm. is training for like physical endurance? Yeah. Um, and it all feels and looks very different. And all of them are going all like the different modalities or training goals are going to have like different approaches and I think I just like was very naive when I got into fitness right I also because I've been doing more like bodybuilding style training lately too and I am wondering the way that I'm approaching it and my mindset around it now is so different than when I was doing it when I first got into fitness and I'm wondering if having done CrossFit and trained for performance which is the focus in CrossFit Mm-hmm. And having that knowledge and understanding is now like transferring over to bodybuilding. And even though it is more aesthetic focus, you still have that idea that like, I'm building muscle, I'm getting stronger, you know? And so the focus isn't just on that because we have experience in a different modality. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. Like the cult, it's a cultural shift moving from one fitness modality to another. Yeah. And at the beginning, it was really tough. I think too, even just like going from a CrossFit class, which is like half of it is like social. Like that was part of the reason is to go with your friends, to hang out and bodybuilding. It's like you enter that gym and everybody has their fucking headphones in. No one's really talking to each other. Yes. There's people spotting and whatever, but there isn't the same like collective experience. And so that was like a a really tricky thing to overcome. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, going into a CrossFit gym is hard because I'm like I kind of want to just get going or go at my own pace or do my own warm-up and it's yeah it's different that way yeah um I'm gonna move this other piece to the like things we're still deciding on um but something else I just thought of that I guess I've changed my mind on recently is I used to think that like going into a gym shouldn't be like a scary experience And like people should feel good there. But since going back to a regular gym after being CrossFit, I was fucking terrified. (laughs) Like, I was like, what am I doing? Like, am I cool? Do these like, these like university students think I'm cool? Like, am I doing this like bodybuilding exercise the right way? Um, Are you referring to like machines that you didn't know how to use? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I and like, like, I know how to use all the machines, but it's just like understanding what weight you could do and stuff like that. Oh, recalibrating. Yeah. yeah. Cause you're like, it, I can clean. Yeah. What, 
I can clean and jerk however much, but then I put on 50 pounds on like a leg extension. I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like in the grand scheme of things, no one's fucking looking, but I can empathize better with people now who are a little bit hesitant yeah. because I've had yeah. that experience again. For sure. Um, interesting. Cause I was even going to say, I'm like so grateful for CrossFit because it made me enter a new space feeling so much more confident than I would have previously. Right. Yeah. And just like how you get a barbell off a rack and put right. it on the ground yeah like just yeah. being able to know how to move it well yeah. there's just like those small things that I was like okay yeah I'm new here I'm gonna have to ask how to use some equipment but overall like I'm I know I'm you have awareness yeah yeah um I have a funny story so the other day I was doing I was at Mount Royal and I was doing um like back rack lunges mm-hmm. And the safety bars were set up and mm-hmm. I didn't want the barbell to like hit the safety bars. So, cause like I'm going all the way to the ground and I didn't like chest check the height or anything. So I like backed up so that I was behind the safety bars mm-hmm. and because there's not, um, bumper plates, right. The plates are smaller. Yeah. And so I had like 25s and like some smaller plates on it. Um, and I, <laughs> like just had a lapse in paying attention. And I like paused at the bottom of my lunge and I got stuck there. And so if I was doing that at CrossFit, I could just bail it off because the bumper plates are big enough that I'm not going to like drop yeah. it off the leg. Oh my God. I, and I was like, fuck. so I couldn't stand up and I was like looking around and I was like, fuck, am I going to have to like ask someone for help? And then I was like, no. So I just like scooted my way forward to the safety bars. <laughs> And then like put them down and I was like, oh my God, that was so fucking embarrassing. <laughs> so just like shit like that, that you don't think yeah. of, like in my yeah. head, I was like, not even thinking about failing the rep as an option because mm-hmm. like, if you fail a rep in a CrossFit gym, it doesn't matter. You can bail it no matter what. Yeah. You've got like the rubber plates on, you've got yeah. a space where it's normal, but yeah, you yeah. drop weights like that in a bodybuilding gym and every head turns and they're like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. There are so a few bros who try and like clean and jerk or snatch at the gym. And it's like, I don't know why you're doing this here. Like everybody yeah. is staring at you. Like you need to go somewhere else. Yeah. At our gym, there's um weightlifting platforms, which is nice. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. there are at our gym too, but they're still like it's not set up right yeah yeah Yeah. okay let's move on to another one do we want to go back to nutrition or do we want to do this coaching one which coaching one oh no let's do okay okay so back to nutrition something that we've changed our mind on probably in the last like six to 12 months Mm -hmm. um just based on like new evidence is reverse dieting Um, so if you go back to season one, we did a reverse dieting episode and pretty much everything we said in that episode, we now have a different opinion on or like apply with a little more thought. Right. 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 Yeah. It's not as like blanketed. We're not as hell bent on reverse dieting every client. Yeah. And so what we used to believe is that a reverse diet should be done after a weight loss phase. And it should be a slow reintroduction to calories over time, building up to new maintenance calories in order to minimize any weight regain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was like heavily talked, it's still talked about in that way um, in the media. But what the research has showed lately, um, and like when we actually think about it, makes sense is that if we are going back up to maintenance, 
and it's truly our new maintenance. If we're eating at maintenance, we shouldn't be gaining more weight, mm-hmm. right? Because it's maintenance calories. So if we are doing a slow and gradual build up to maintenance, it's just prolonging the calorie deficit. So depending on how long you've been in the calorie deficit for, that actually might not be a good thing. And it might be better to just jump right back up to your new projected maintenance and see what happens. That said, there can still be times where it might be beneficial to do it more slowly. Um, Maybe doing like a big initial jump and then a few slow jumps. If um, individuals, you know, maybe they might have digestive issues, maybe seeing a scale increase of one to two pounds, simply from the fact that we have more food in our bodies, um, especially if carbohydrates increase, we have more water retention. Um, if that's going to be like a mind fuck, a slower approach might be better. Same thing if it was a shorter deficit. Yeah. Or not super, like not a huge cut. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would still say I, I do utilize a reverse diet with a good handful of clients, but it's mostly because they fall into the category of being like really scared to eat more food. Right. Yeah. And that's something we like, it's not just, okay, we'll reverse diet. It's like, okay, we need to talk about this and I will go along with like your feelings and frustrations or whatever it is. Right. And we'll like do it together. I'm not going to throw maintenance calories at a person who's like terrified of that, Mm -hmm. but we are definitely going to talk about why that's a fear and why we kind of like don't necessarily need to be scared. Right. 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 Yeah. Any other notes on that one? I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I'd be curious to hear like how other coaches have kind of like changed their approach to that. Yeah. Um, another thing that we did an episode on in season one that we've changed our minds on. And honestly, I think in that episode, we did a good job of like including nuance, um, but is cycle syncing and this idea that we need to eat a certain way and train a certain way throughout our cycle. Um, and so I think, Like I said, I do think we included nuance in that, but I think we definitely used to be more like fans of that. Um, And whereas now we recognize that like the research does not support that. Um, It does not support any like blanket strategies there. And it does not support that, you know, lifting heavy or doing high intensity training in the luteal phase is bad or anything like that. However, We recognize with ourselves and our clients that our energy, our capacity shifts throughout our cycles. And so understanding that and using that understanding to, you know, look at different strategies or, you know, program extra rest days or use RPE instead of percentage work, things like that can be really helpful from a consistency standpoint like a mindset standpoint as well. And a mindset standpoint, but not physiologically. Right. Right. Yeah. Again, it's like that idea of like, are we bypassing like a client's lived experience by being like, no, you still need to be training at hundred percent intensity because you're, you physiologically can. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, it, there's nuance there and every single person is going to be different. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think the big issue with cycle syncing is it creates fear and it like scares women away from training hard when like we're already as a as a as women scared to train hard you know so it just like 
yeah, the way that it's portrayed in the media, especially because there's no solid evidence to back it up, um, does more harm than good, I think. Yeah, it's very limiting, especially when you're like, oh no, like I'm in the third week of my cycle. I better just like say fuck it. And you know, you haven't even gone into the gym or felt out how how you're feeling. Yeah. Working. Um writing it off. Exactly. Or what happens if you have a competition and you get your period that day? And then you're you're already like, I'm fucked. Yeah. Right? Like, no, physiologically you're not. It's right, like gonna you be. can still do absolutely everything. You can still PR yeah. regardless of where you're at in your cycle. Um, and at the same time, when we talk like nutritionally, there are clients where we're make, we will make adjustments to nutrition in different phases, whether that yeah. be like increase fats towards the end of like their cycle. Um, if they're dieting, maybe we use like the PMS kind of phase to do a diet break and just make mm-hmm. it make sense on two levels. So there are like a lot of different things that we can discuss, but it's very individual. Yeah. Yep, We're not yep. just going to blanket change people's macros or diet break them all when they're exactly. like free bleed. Yeah, exactly. Um. Okay. So the last one we had on this serious list before moving into things we're considering and some fun ones is more business related. Um, and it is this idea of professionalism. Mm-hmm. And I think this has been a big one for me, especially because I remember when we started Paradigm and I was like, we need our logo to look professional. We need like this like super serious website. And to me, professional was meant like serious. You were a very serious yes. girl. Yes. And so our business owner of all time, our ideas of what professionalism means have definitely shifted. Mm-hmm. Cause I think for us in the beginning, it was like looking a certain way, which meant having it all together, which meant perfect. Yeah. And a lot of that really came from like what we wanted our peers or other exactly. to perceive us as, and not yeah. actually like who we wanted to be as coaches for our clients. Exactly. So misguided, but also eh, it made sense at the time. Yeah. Like a coach, you want to like be seen as reputable. Yeah really what it did was take away from like our authenticity, our ability to be vulnerable, to show up as real human beings and like really mm-hmm. limited like the ways we are able to connect with other people. For sure. So for now or now professionalism to us means more of that like Nicholas said vulnerability, authenticity, showing up as like who we are, talking about things with nuance, um sharing Thank our own experience. Know. Yeah. Questioning, we don't know things. Yeah. Asking for feedback, um, leaving room to like have fuck ups. Right. But also uh, an important part you made here was like, we're still working within our scope and that becomes like where professionalism really does have like boundaries. Yeah. Referring out when needed, not taking on clients that are out of our scope of practice. Yeah. Again, saying, I don't know, or, you know, I'm not qualified to give feedback on this, those types of things. Right. And ultimately that protects the client, um, just as much as it protects us as the coaches. Yeah. But it's also made it way more fun. Yeah. And how much easier is it to like show up the way we need to, than to like pretend to be something else. Exactly. Yeah. 
was a big kind of like relief and created a lot more ease in our I think in our working relationship and how but also how we like ran the business how we showed up for clients a Mm -hmm. lot less pressure yeah yep yep okay so I have some other fun ones okay hit me did you think of any foods yet no (laughs) my brain stopped thinking about that yeah um you won't relate to this one but one thing I've changed my mind on is having kids so I used to never want to have kids and honestly after getting a puppy I'm starting to like fucking question this again but I never wanted to have kids I like just was not I didn't want to like lose my entire self into being a mom you know and having kids in my mind meant your entire identity is mom and I think I've definitely changed my mind in understanding that like that doesn't have to be that way. It can be if you choose it to be, but it doesn't have to. And also I think when we talk about like reasons for like what we do inside of our business and stuff, I think at least for me, a lot of it is like creating an impact and like leaving some sort of, I don't like the word legacy. Cause I feel like that sounds like a privileged, like white rich yeah. person thing, but like leaving some sort of impact so that when we're gone, we have, you know, created like positive. A ripple effect. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I do think having children is like one of the best ways to do that. Like raising a good children, raising good kids. What did um, Avery's mom say in uh, Grey's Anatomy when she was like, Oh, she made a comment about like, if you want to change the world, like raise good children or something. And I was like, I can see that. Huh. You know? This is yeah. throwing me for a loop, dude. I know. <laughs> and I'm also curious, like, what would a baby Sarah and Brad look like? Oh my God. It'd be a ginger <laughs> I, feel like I know they're, they're we're going to have ginger kids for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's so. so interesting. And I'm yeah. glad you shared that. Um, I, yeah, I do not relate at all. I yeah. Like this is the one thing I will like a hill. I will I on that hill. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, a very personal thing, but I think that's yeah. a really good point. And I absolutely, while I do not want children, I do not judge others. For yeah. Others. Um, but if you tell me you're pregnant in the next little while, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> not for a while. Okay. okay we need okay. to adjust. We, we got in a fight one week after having a puppy about being like this is like so much work so yeah okay, um, okay. anyways that was one okay yeah, another one. one that was like a- yeah I'm curious to hear your opinion on this one okay okay Owen Hunt ah! <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind on him because at the beginning of the show I really liked him and I felt bad for him and I was like he's so nice and then by the end of the show I was like fuck this guy oh interesting I felt yeah. like fuck this guy the whole time Okay. That's fair. Like, I understand he went through a lot. He is riddled with trauma. Yeah. He always uses it and it as an excuse for his poor behavior. And it's like, yeah. no, you don't get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of like season 17 or whatever, <laughs> I just watched it. I was like, no, I see oh, through. But I yeah. think part of my like thing of like wanting to fix men specifically. <laughs> was like coming in hot at the beginning yeah you know and I just like felt bad for him and I was like oh poor Owen right if we were together I could fix him yeah yeah exactly just be in the little pick me yeah yeah okay interesting interesting I agree he sucks yeah 
Um, those were my fun ones. Okay. Yeah. You got any? Uh, no, I feel lame for not having any, but I don't really. I'm sure there are. Some. Okay, wait. No, I do have one. Okay. Crop tops on men. <laughs> you used to hate them and now you love them? Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I used to um, give Brandon so much shit because he was like, he would bring home a shirt and he'd be like, can you turn this into a crop top for me? Yeah. And I was like, fuck no. Absolutely not. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. I have a picture of Brandon judging me in the open wearing a yeah. crop top. Yeah. It's so funny. Wear them to like Can West and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. And now I'm like, mm, no, that's kind of sexy. I'm yeah. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Well, we need to wrap things up pretty quick here. So let's hit these things we're in the middle of considering still. Okay. This is a big one progress pictures as a way to highlight your clients. Yeah. AKA get clients is what I see it as yeah I mean I think I mean ultimately yes it is a way to get clients and it's definitely used as a way to get clients it's used as a way to say hey if you sign up this is what can happen Mm -hmm. and I definitely think there's problems in the way that they are used and the language that's used in the post and the fact that some of them are just complete fucking bullshit yeah right um so that mindset has not changed but as we work with more and more clients who are seeing fucking awesome progress and doing it in a way that feels good for them. It would be really nice to share them. Yeah. It's tough because we've taken such like a hard stance on this in the past and literally said like it doesn't align with our values to highlight progress. Yeah. Um, And I think this is like goes very well with our second point, which is like how we talk about dieting and fat loss has changed so much too. And we walked back and forth between like being like, we never want to advertise that we help people lose weight. Um, We recognize that like the nutrition and diet culture industry is like heavily fat phobic and we don't want to force that on anyone or suggest Mm -hmm. that by working with us, you have to lose weight or will lose weight as a result of it because there's so much more to it and yet what happens to the people who like want to right are we do we just say like no I don't I don't know or do we like judge I don't know it's so challenging well yeah if I think again the reasons for wanting to lose weight and the way we talk about it is important because if we are approaching weight loss as like a hail mary to like solve all of our problems or we think that by losing weight all of these things in our lives are automatically going to change I personally think that is problematic because as someone who's fluctuated between different body compositions multiple times the leanest I've been is definitely not the happiest or most confident I've been but also the heaviest I've been isn't the leanest or most confident I've or isn't the happiest or most confident I've been either right yeah, dude, so, I know. it's so tricky. And it's like how much of like how we're approaching this is based on our own experiences, which are very limited. Like we're right. just two individuals who yeah. have like a pretty privileged stance in all of this. So it's like, it's really For challenging. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's something like we're ongoing. I don't think we'll really ever come to like a hard conclusion about this, but it's something like we talk amongst each other, talk to clients about, like we think about this stuff a lot. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, 
Okay. The last thing I had on my list for things we're considering is just fitness modalities in general. And so I remember I thought about this because I remember a specific conversation with one of my friend's moms who was like going to Orange Theory when it first opened and was like, it's the best ever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like fucking mad. Like I was like, it's so stupid, you know, <laughs> like blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't be doing that. And I definitely have changed my mindset on like fitness in general from thinking that there's like only one best way to thinking, okay, as long as people are moving their bodies and if they are doing things like orange theory or F45 are fueling properly, I'm fucking pumped to them. And now in this idea and like with more and more research on women coming out, especially like as we age thinking like, okay, yes, do what you enjoy. But at the same time, women should be strength training. Mm -hmm. They should, if you want to feel your best, maintain your weight within a certain like fluctuation, obviously, and age as healthy as possible. Strength training is like so fucking high on that list. Yeah. So fucking high on that list. And I think like another piece of that is like, do what, do what you want and do what you'll keep up with. Like do what is going to be sustainable for you. And you can't expect the same results with every fitness modality. Exactly. So it's like, there are going to be times where I'm like, "Hmm." you say you want to look lean, but like all you're doing are like hit workouts and going for a run. Like that's just not going to cut it. Yeah. For sure. Can you feel fit? Can you feel happy? Can you live a healthy, long life? Absolutely. And yet if you want to look lean, if you want to be strong, like there, there are things you have to do. So aligning that but yeah yeah, we're a lot less judgy overall I think is the conclusion to this is we've been judgy bitches before and we're trying not to be judgy bitches as we go forward right yes (laughs) on certain things oh yeah for sure I'm very judgy yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) we'll maintain that okay well let's wrap it up with a fuck yes and fuck no okay I wrote both of these oh you did add a fuck no okay fresh flowers from the garden and we don't really have a garden, but we do have these glorious lilacs. Oh, pretty. That only bloom for like two weeks of the year, but yeah. I'm going to in. That's really Sip nice. For two weeks straight. Yeah. Fresh flowers in general. Like I got a bunch of flowers. Yeah, but I don't buy them for myself. Very happy. Yeah. I buy them for myself the sometimes. Yeah. But Brad bought me some tulips for my birthday. And then my friend oh. Colby brought some over too. And it it's nice. Oh, yeah okay what's your Um, fuck fuck no well my fuck no is these this fucking massive zit on my chin right now Mm. and just like getting acne hormonally on like the jawline you're fucking over 30 this should be done yeah yeah but besides that my skin is i got some like stuff on the sephora sale and my skin is fantastic yeah love that for you that's a fuck yes yeah the world is shit and the horrors keep pouring, but we've got some glowing skin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well. Okay, we got to go. Nicola has a call. I am late. Sorry. I am unprofessional. Sorry. Blame it on unprofessional. me. Unprofessional. Okay. okay. Thank love you, everyone. You we love you. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>